Thanks for joining our first quarter update here. This is our commercial review. We are going to go through roughly 2 million square feet of commercial assets, what we're seeing in the market, why we think it's important for our investments, and really what we're doing about it. So we'll kick things off here, cover lots of stuff. Yeah, commercial means a lot of stuff. I mean, in the broader sense of the world, it really means like anything other than single family rentals <laughs> or single family houses. It could, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, our, our, our world of commercial or what we define as commercial is really, um, you know, suburban office buildings, one to three story, uh, some which is occupied by medical and some government and some industrial flex. Yeah, and that's, that's really what we're looking for. So we look at the 2 million square feet that we have, about 25% of that space is suburban, low-rise, garden-style uh, office tenants. About 24%, 24 doesn't really sound like a roughly, but 24% <laughs> exactly is medical. And this is medical that you're going to or diagnostic labs that you're there, orthopedic centers, dentistry, pharmacies, that type of stuff. We have another 19% that is flex, and we've been buying mostly flex lately, so that's really where we've been adding to the portfolio is in the flex side of things. And the remaining 17% is government space. And we uh, surprisingly kind of found good opportunities in the government space. A lot of times there were other tenants that were there. And that's, that's everything from uh, the VA clinics, which we own a handful of now that are medical government. And then we have buildings like the GSA, we have Secret Service, FBI, we have some state governments as well. Yeah, IRS. Space. IRS. Yep. All the, all the good ones. Yeah, all the good ones. So the they, they definitely add some stability into a commercial building when they are there. So we look at those types of assets. That's what we are buying when we mention commercial. And really, this is still our normal footprint. If you've been with us a while, it's Atlanta to, to North Carolina, up 85. That is our core target. And we got a little bit of stuff in Chattanooga. So yep. that's the focus. Now, across those really three asset classes, I would say the government stuff is full. So the government is fully, va uh, fully occupied, not fully vacant. And on the other asset types, we've got 83% occupancy across the office portfolios, 94% across medical, and 82% that is across our flex assets. And again, if you've been with us, we're always trying to find value add and operational add opportunities where we can go in and lease space. So that's a big part of what we do and where we create value. So if we had 100% occupancy, we'd probably be selling some of the stuff. Yeah, and uh, with with those kind of flexible occupancy rates, right? If we're if we're sitting there 100, percent that's basically a, a green light to either sell or aggressively go in and raise rates, rates which is going to cause some turnover. It's going to cause some downtime. It's going to cause some vacancy. So we, when we're when we're doing our value add, when we're when we're owning these properties, operating these properties, we're we're always going to see some level of vacancy in those initial one to three years to maximize the value. So a lot of the flex properties we've been buying. I'm um, including like Davis Circle that we closed in January. The rents are five to seven dollars a square foot when the market is pushing twelve to thirteen, and so we're going to see some vacancy there when we go to those tenants and say, "Hey, we need to double your rents," and not all of them are going to say yes. So we might see some turnover, yeah. and then you know the the market has been in such demand that um, we can we can drive you know, drive that vacancy out and bring in new tenants. Yeah, certainly that's you know a lot of the way that we create value. So when we think about what are we seeing in the market right now? So that's, that's kind of what we're targeting. And we see, what are we seeing right now? It's certainly tighter supply. I mean, deal supply has only gotten harder and harder and harder each year. It's, we've never said, wow, floodgates are open and now we can buy anything. It's always getting tighter. And that's just as continuing in 2023. 
Yeah, and and kind of the uh, the the new rise of interest rates and the struggle between cap rates and interest rates right now. Right, it's like interest rates are up two hundred fifty basis points on on the lending side, maybe three hundred basis points, and cap rates are really trying to hold firm. Um, sellers are not willing to yeah. capitulate to the new values based on it, lending. So um, we uh, we're just we're not seeing a whole lot of products yeah. on the market. And I think that's why you're seeing the tightening of supply. That's why you're not seeing as many transactions happen. Uh, that's really, I mean, one in the commercial space we're looking at, but in everything, really, there has been a tightening of what sellers are willing uh, to let go of, right? So there's going to be some point here, though. What I guess what we're looking for, we haven't seen is eventually either sellers, the banks will tell them they have to sell it or they'll have to accept an offer to buy stuff because almost... We should know that. I don't even know what it is, but almost all commercial real estate is financed. There's some lending institution behind almost every real estate deal, and that's a whole other investment pool uh, that people are going through. And that's gonna, there's going to be some tightening in that part where, where people are going to not be able to refinance something, and that, that loan is going to come up. And if a seller is not willing to accept the price, uh, the bank will help move that process along. The, the other alternative that we've seen some as well is that uh, – with, with the new interest rates when they go to refi or when they, when, they go, when they go basically out to the market to get a new loan, the bank's not willing to give them as much of a loan as they had because the de- they can't afford the debt coverage. And so they actually have to deleverage. De- and um, instead of having, say, 70% leverage, they need to bring 10% of the table and deleverage down to 60%. And that could create some opportunity as well. Yeah. Other part we're seeing right now is, oh, we've mentioned this some too, there's a definite divergence in the type of assets that are out there. One of the biggest ones right now is the office towers, or what are we going to do with these urban buildings? I mean, we're not going to do much with them, but they're certainly there, and and it's a a huge part of our economy. You're talking about buildings that are worth billions and billions and billions of dollars. Uh, Just, you know, one building alone is typically hundreds of millions of dollars in one of these urban cores, you know, throughout, throughout America, or even just the southeast where we're looking. Uh, but there's no, those prices are so high, even still, there's no real good way to redevelop that or turn it into something else. Yeah, just structurally, you know, if you, if you look at, hey, let's take an office tower and turn it into housing. Like most office floors will have one, maybe two kitchens. When an office floor could be 30, 40,000 square feet, which would turn into 40 units from a multifamily standpoint. Yes. Is how do you put 40 kitchens Talk into about an office floor? an entire building or something possibly. And, and then all the ductwork and, and sharing all that ductwork with 40 different units and at the electrical, it, there's not really a great functional way to convert over an office yeah. tower. So we look at that. What we're seeing is what does the occupancy look like in our suburban low-rise office versus the urban core office buildings? And the occupancy numbers are drastically different. Right? So, yeah, so like it, urban Atlanta is 15% vacant. New York City's 20%, San Francisco's 26%, Chattanooga's 4%. Right. We have some of that with yeah. our one office tower trying to finish <laughs> tower, seven stories, yes. seven-story tower. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that counts as a tower. But, yeah, you're seeing significantly higher vacancy rates that are in uh, the, the real office spaces. Right. And I mean, when you're looking at really the media on this or the the, the – the national news when you're looking at like kind of in uh, San Francisco or New York city, the, those cities are seeing significantly, um, significantly larger transitions. San Francisco alone in the last 12 months lost about 2 million square feet of tenants. 
in their downtown. Just their financial district alone lost two million square feet. Yeah, that's yeah. And we look at our uh, urban. I mean, not the urban, the suburban stuff. When we look at in suburban Atlanta, office vacancy is eight percent. So that's a lot of the area that we're buying stuff. Eight percent is by no means like out of normalcy, right? Like that's not out of whack or anything. So obviously, I mean, you want to be as high as possible, but it's not twenty or twenty-six percent vacancy rate. And even in a lot of the suburban places, it's easier. Even the complex we're in right now, you know, right down the street from us, just like this, they tore down and they're building apartments there. You can do that when you when you have a garden style complex that's two stories. You can't necessarily tear down a fifty story office tower. Right. That's so. What matters most about this market to us right now? Most of this is us identifying where will opportunities exist and. Right now, this negativity that's around really anything that's work-related uh, is hopefully going to bring down prices some. And, I mean, there will be some challenges on that office tower side. But then we're seeing hopefully the opportunity to have better deals in the suburban flex office kind of lower-rise multi-use buildings that are out there. And that's what we've yeah. been picking up for hundred dollars a square foot. Yeah, and, and part of the opportunity with Lakeside was that a lot of lend- we had, we struggled with finding a lender. We eventually did, but um, part part of the struggle was there is that it's predominantly occupied with office tenants, even though it's a flex deal. And so we're looking at saying it's great it has current cash flow, it's making money, it's well occupied, and it has the infrastructure right now that if it's not, we can very quickly convert it to a product that is very leasable, like flex. But we see a pretty solid risk return in this flex suburban space that's infill built it's there you can't really build anything for that price point anymore and i think as we have challenges with the urban towers that it's just going to push more into this that type of space on the outskirts that's one astronomically cheaper than anything that's that's in a core area yeah. at 80 to 110 dollars a square foot is kind of our sweet sweet spot for buying these things yeah that's been good and we, the lowest we got was like 63 yeah but yeah, if we can get it around, if we can get it in that area, it's, it's fantastic. And that's where we really think, you know, that's why it matters to us. We're seeing those opportunities exist and we're, we're seeing good demand. We mentioned our leasing there has been solid. So uh, we see those as outperforming kind of what's the expectation right now. So what are we doing now in this market? How does it apply to our investments? If you've been following us, you know, I mean, we operate everything we have. So we're very in tune with what we're doing on each asset. Right now, our biggest focus is trying to make sure that we are able to achieve uh, annualized rental rate gains. It's, it's almost uh, you know, a requirement now. If you can get a 4% rental rate gain annually, you add that up over a couple years, that is significantly better than just nine months ago, where you were getting 1% or 2%. So now, this ability to uh, put escalations in there, I think we've seen that kind of throughout the economy that people are a little more like, okay, Prices went up a little bit. Well, getting those annual escalations in, that's a big part of what we're doing. Every time we're renewing, signing leases, signing new leases, that's all coming into play there as a way to find uh, operational value in the market. Yeah, so when we buy a new property, there's really three levers that that we somewhat control that we can go to that tenant and negotiate really the most in our favor as we can. Um, sometimes that will force that tenant to leave and we have to release the space. Other times, um, it just, it, it, we can negotiate somewhere in the middle, but really it's rental rate escalations and cam, which is that common area maintenance and basically the bill back. So a lot of the properties we buy, there's 
limited, minimal to no CAM being charged. And the, the, you know, the, the greater market allows you to pass through the majority of your operating expenses. It's a big chunk of our income. Yeah, and we bought a bunch of assets in the 2022 timeframe that had really no CAM enforcement or CAM strategy in place from when we purchased them. And, and this, sometimes this is built into the leases. It can be added as you do a renewal. It's kind of a, a, a fairly standard component across the commercial space, but there is a lack of how that's enforced overall on the types of assets we're buying. So we're able to come in and really do full lease reviews and determine what costs they are responsible for paying and make sure that tenant ledger is as clear as possible and accurate with uh, what all the bills are and their responsibilities of it. And sometimes this can be 20 to 30% additional revenue sources. And really it's just offsetting your costs, but I mean, that's revenue, revenue that's coming in the door. That's a, that's a huge opportunity right there. And especially now if we see people leasing more space in these suburban areas, we are able to do this new leasing. We mentioned, you know, we signed 32,000 square feet of new leases. We signed about 26,000 square feet of renewals. Those are all opportunities where we can put our CAM uh, strategy in place. And again, that's, that's roughly 55,000 square feet across 2 million. So it takes time to get there. Um, but it's certainly something that we are looking to do. And it's certainly a way that we're adding value within the, within the portfolio right now. Yeah, and so uh, the the process of of adding CAM into the lease, you know, we, we buy property. Let's for example, Midtown last year um, was a was a larger acquisition for us. I had what seventy, eighty, pushing a hundred tenants, and yeah. each one has their own individual lease. And 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 the common area maintenance is really designed on a per building basis. So we have to basically evaluate the percentage of that lease that that each tenant occupies in that one building, and then divide up the shared cost. And uh, you know the the biggest thing that we've seen or that we've talked about in a lot of our videos yeah. lately is is really property taxes, and how do we you know we we've seen fifteen twenty thirty percent increases some one hundred percent increases, and our tenants really that that cam helps offset that increase. Certainly, yeah, and some of the new setups we've done like Lakeside you mentioned we put that into our system we're identify we're making sure that we're tracking all of our expenses by building, that really helps when you have tenants in specific ones of how they're monitoring their cam and their usage of things like utilities and how taxes are allocated. So it's very much in the, in the weeds, but that's kind of what it takes on the operating side to make sure you can get that cam reimbursement. You can get those funds in the door because without that, you have an underperforming asset. So when we look at our write-ups for each individual deal, we certainly have a much more detailed description of how we're doing cam and how we're doing specific leases on each deal. We also have a little segment that shows all the new leases we signed and all of the renewals or leases that did vacate. When we talk about the new leases and the, and the occupancy gains, that was you know, 32,000 square feet, but it was divided across 19 tenants. So 19 different businesses uh, that joined. And some of that is a mix of we have medical users, we have flex users, we have a yoga studio that moved in. So we have a mix of businesses, but we really like the smaller size footprint where we can take these larger spaces and divide them up when we can get higher rents it's easier to get escalations and we have a diversity of tenants that is helpful from a cash flow standpoint well that is our update for commercial hope this was helpful give you a little bit of an idea of what we're seeing in the market and what we're trying to do and act on it please check out your investment 
reviews. We have one for each deal with a write-up on exactly how everything is doing and all the distribution information in there. And we'll also have a live Q&A that we are doing next week as well. So, thanks for watching, everyone. For more tips on operating and investing in real estate, please check us out at greenleafmanagement.com or find us on YouTube and Spotify.